informed with your community. The Morning Drive on FM 96.3 and AM 620. WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Jay Shepard is in the house now. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Kurt. Good morning, Anthony. And when you, Anthony, when you gave the temperature report, you didn't say that it was 45 in the studio. Yeah, it is. it's cold in here, isn't it? Wait, wait five minutes. The heat will come on. It is. You'll be sitting here, and it's like an icebox. All of a sudden, the heat just overwhelms you. You can barely breathe. So we'll wait for that to happen. Um, so, Jay, uh, first, there's... A lot of different issues to talk about. The first one I want to go to, though, is from last week, is the debate. Now, there are people that think, look, nothing happened in that debate that was great for any candidate. It's not going to move the needle at all. That's what everybody seems to be saying in terms of somebody emerging as the challenger to Trump or one or two challengers to Trump or advancing in the polling towards Trump. Is the is do you think the race is effectively over? Has Trump is is, is there any way to beat Trump? The, the race is not over. It's we're it, three and a half months from Iowa. I mean, it's yes. a little ways, but it's getting closer. It's getting closer. But there's a lot of things happening that people don't see in the back that are happening in the background. And I think there were some things that came out of that debate that are very important to point out. What we're doing is we're narrowing down the field. I think uh, you really have uh, three people going forward that have a chance of staying engaged, raising the money, having a platform. Uh, not everyone will agree who those three people are, but I think it's pretty clear that Ron DeSantis uh, is going to be moving on and will get a bump. Uh, he's actually getting a little bit of money back a little bit now. Uh, we look at uh, Ambassador Nikki Haley, who did extremely well in the debate. Uh, she's a fighter, and she's going to get a bump. And the fourth person, if you count Trump as one of the four, is Chris Christie will be in that final four. I think you're going to see the others kind of disappear. Uh, I thought Asa Hutchinson made a good thing that, you know, he's not out of it. It's just an NFL bye week for him. <laughs> is that what he said? Yeah, and it is oh, a bye week. God. It's called bye-bye. Yeah. Uh, I think you're going to see the same thing with uh, some of my favorite people. I mean, I'm a big fan of Tim Scott. I'm a huge fan of uh, Vice President Pence. I know a lot of people don't like me for that, but I think they've they've done a lot of service for this country, and I think uh, they're good people, uh, but they don't have a chance, and they'll be moving on. Uh, same as Doug Burgum. When is the next debate? Is it set? Is the date set yet? The uh, debate will be November eighth, and that will be in F- Miami, Florida. So Who's- just over a month from now, yep. and we know they are saying that the criteria to get in this next debate is going to be higher. You got to get, I think, like seventy thousand individual contributors instead of forty thousand. Yeah, the individual contributors is not an issue for any of the candidates. That That is one of the places that uh, they're pretty well all on the route to getting there. It's the 4% in the That's polls. That's what I was going to say. The other one was the 4% in multiple polls. In multiple polls. So, so go ahead. Oh, go ahead. You go. Well, my favorite line of the night was, bring it, Tim. Yeah, I, I think that was a mistake on her part, to be honest with you. A lot of people talk about her taking command and, and all of that. One of the things, if you look at the polling data, the most popular person running, the most likable, is Tim Scott. Uh, for her to take him on is not always a, a good thing to do because he's so likable. What people want to do is they love it when uh, V-Fake uh, got slapped a few times. Uh, he's not likable by a majority of the people. So when you're, when you're looking at who you should be attacking and all of that, you need to build alliances and you need to bring some of those people with you. 
So she can't win without bringing the Tim Scott people so, with her. Not to interrupt you, but she didn't attack him. He attacked her. Well, but but you have to you have to respond in kind. I mean, you have to you have to stand your ground. But at the same time, you need to pick your battles in where you want to fight and where you don't want to fight. It's also important because South Carolina is going to be in play, and she needs to win South Carolina. And hopefully, I think maybe her game plan is that he's out by the time we get to South Carolina. But all those, the first four come up very quickly. Agree or disagree with him, Jay Shepard, give us a call if you want to talk to him about, you know, like I said, if you agree with what he's saying or you don't agree with what he's saying give us a call on the mckenzie country classic hotline i have a list triple eight four one four oh three oh three just odd predictions people make so the four that you predict will be will be the survivors is this for november 8th or the, think think we'll still have a crowded field on the 8th we'll still probably have a crowded field i think uh okay. bergham will disappear uh after the 8th before the 8th he will not be on the 8th stage yeah um so we're Guaranteed, you're going to have at least uh, the three that I mentioned, yeah. uh, DeSantis, Scott, Haley. You'll have Rab- Ramaswamy will still be there because a lot of the Trump people are supporting him. Um, whether or not Mike Pence probably will not make the stage the next time. Um, and that's because and, they won't appear at 4% multiple polls? Is that what you're basing that ex- on? Exactly. And which polls will count and which ones won't. So he's, he's on the edge. Um, I think Tim Scott is on the edge as well, but I think he'll end up being on that stage. Because if you don't make that debate, I mean, you start to be in trouble, don't you, when you can't make the debate stage? You're absolutely in trouble. And I, I go back to 2015, and uh, Rick, Rick Perry uh, did not make the stage. He was an early favorite in that race, and then and he was to the second tier. Back then they had two tiers, two nights of it. And as soon as he did not make the first tier, he was completely done and out of the race. It didn't help him that he couldn't remember what department he wanted to get rid of. Well, you know, I feel bad for him, but I was trying to tell some of his story. And I, I actually was standing with uh, Rick Perry when he received the phone call saying that he was on the second tier and the look on his face of devastation. And I tried to tell the story to somebody, and I couldn't remember his name. So I think, you know, every, we, you know we all oh, get to a certain we, point. We, we know that. I just told the oh, story yeah. earlier about my <laughs> couldn't remember my password to get into my phone when I had to have it. But that's true. But when you're on the presidential debate stage, not a good thing. But let me I want to ask you the same thing that I asked uh, uh, Jimmy Fela on Friday, which is. I'm a fan of Tim Scott. I think he is a very honest guy as a, as a senator of integrity. I think he'd be a good president. But. What was the strategy? What was he thinking in going after Nikki Haley about drapes? I mean, they went on about drapes for a couple minutes, and I'm sitting there going, who the hell cares? And then the other part of his strategy, and you know this came from his advisors because he didn't have a moment in the last debate, and he talked less than most of the other candidates. Suddenly, he is constantly talking in the background. Whenever anybody was talking, you'd hear him making a comment. It's like, stop it. Well, he was fighting for airtime. And actually, uh, it was interesting because I met with him the day after the Milwaukee debate. And one of the things he said is, I'm too nice a guy. Everyone's telling me I'm too nice a guy. That every time they ring the bell in my world, I stop talking because those are the rules. I'm a rule follower. Now they tell me I can't, I shouldn't be following the rules as much. And I need to interject whenever I can and just finish saying whatever I want to say. So he was looking at every opportunity to interject, and he saw, you know, some of the things that the brash uh, V-fake was saying that got him into the into the 
the conversations afterwards. And a lot of it is about being talked about afterwards. So if you're not making the news and you're not making uh, inroads at the debate, you lose afterwards as well. So he really was trying to be one of the major players. And it, quite honestly, it didn't work real well for him because he it's not a natural policy for him. It's a natural way. And he came across as a little shrill. It wasn't authentic. Let him be who he is. You're absolutely right. And he had some great moments, but it was overshadowed by some of the other things that happened. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning, Mr. Shepard. Um, I know that you've looked past Donald Trump's racist birther movement, the fact that he's been impeached twice, the fact that he's out on bail, the fact that he's paid off porn stars. But the judge in New York said that Donald Trump raped E. Jean Carroll. What are the GOP talking points on that, or do you just pivot to Hunter Biden? Oh, we don't. We don't have to pivot to Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden's right out there, straight and forward. And as far as the two impeachments, let's talk about that. That has nothing to do with Donald Trump. That has to do with the arrogance and the vindictiveness of the Democrats. So when people talk about impeaching twice, I think that's more of a reflection on this Biden administration and Adam Schiff, who now wants to be a senator in California, and the Democrats just going overboard because they know that he was doing great. And if they hadn't made up these lies, the Steele dossier and all those kind of things, then Donald Trump would still be president today. And that the constant lies and the constant vindictiveness of, you know, starting with Hillary Clinton and Obama going after him. So what do I have to say about defending the president? He was an excellent president. Each and every one of us know it. And you keep wanting to bring up, you know, all these other side facts when the reality is this president that you have now is pivoting. I mean, you want to, you want to pivot away from the economy. You want to pivot away from our foreign policy. You want to pivot around the destruction that's happening in this country right now. By bringing up Donald Trump and his issues, look at your own president. Take take a sharp look at what he's doing to this country and tell me you're not pivoting all the time to try to find someone else to blame things on. Move on. Uh, got I do want to just follow up with the one thing that you didn't address, though, from the caller, which was the, the E. Jean Carroll rape case. To be honest or, with you. Or, or sex abuse, whatever you want to call it. You know, all these lawsuits, you know, judges making decisions on things rather than juries. There's a lot of things we want to take a look at in terms of them going after Donald Trump. You know, there's having a Department of Justice that is basically uh, being politicized by this administration is not the way to go. So I don't really want to comment on any of the lawsuits that are going out, going on right now. I'm not a lawyer. And the reality is... Most of these lawsuits are based on politics and not on law. And we have a two-sided justice system here, and that has to stop, too. So let's go back to Biden and leave Trump alone, because Biden is the one that's politicizing Merrick Garland and this Department of Justice, and it needs to stop because it's hurting America. So I want to go back, um, because uh, you had said, Kurt's first question was, is it over? Is it just definitely going to be Trump? And you said, no, it's not over. It's, now, just talk to. I want to just kind of hear a couple of scenarios, or just one scenario where you think um, somebody in this pack would could wind up with the nomination. Well, I, I think you know everyone talks about it should be a one-on-one thing and all of that, and it doesn't have to be a one-on-one thing. I think when you look at the poll and keep an eye on whether or not Donald Trump gets over fifty percent of the vote in each individual state, because of how the 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 primaries have to take place is they have to be proportional 
uh, early on. So all of them have to be proportional, unless, of course, like Vermont. So Vermont's uh, primary is on Super Tuesday, March 5th. So how that works is that if you anyone who gets over 20% of the vote gets a proportion of the delegates, unless one of the candidates gets 50%, and in that case, they get 100% of the delegates. Oh. So the same thing is true in California, for instance. So it's proportional, except if one of the candidates gets over 50% of the vote, then they get 100% of the delegates. Then it's winner take all. Then it's winner take all. So everybody's talking about how, you know, California has become the Trump state now and how they've, they've rigged and they've moved everything to change for Trump to win in California. The reality is it's 50% in California too. So he still has to get 50% of the vote in order to win. So, Everybody say it's going to be over early, you know, winner take all, all these states. Well, they're not winner take all. You know, Tennessee, for instance, it's 60%. So every state has a little bit different, but nobody is under 50% in order for a winner take all situation. All right. Well, that makes sense. Thanks. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, you know, I've been, I've watched the debates and all that, but uh, the thing that concerns me if a, Republican is elected president again. Um, everything they do is going to be by executive order. Uh, you know, you, you just don't have the votes to enact a law to pass whatever legislation they want. And I'm, I'm looking at uh, whoever you elect, it's just going to be a four-year four term, and uh, things will get better, and then they'll go back to worse, I think. Uh, number one, I'm not hearing anybody uh, wanting to um, promote uh, people in the legislature or uh, uh, election reform. So I, I'm leery of it, and but, you know, I, I just don't have much hope. Thank you. Well, I think we want to take the four years if we can get them. I mean, we can't continue down the road we are now and have another Democrat administration for another four years. So I, I do agree with you that there's going to be challenges. And I don't believe that we've seen enough changes as far as the election integrity part of it goes. Uh, I think we all want free and fair elections. And I'm not sure anything has changed since the last election. So there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. And we need to have more than just the presidency. We need to have a Congress that is Republican. We need to have a Senate. It looks very good for the Senate. I think we're going to make some inroads there. But we need to change Washington completely. But when you do have the House, like the Republicans have the House right now by a four-vote majority, um, but you have a handful of Republican that's, that are on the far right that – Will, that vote against anything that the Speaker and the rest of the Republicans tried to put forward, that handful, because there's only a four-vote majority, blocked anything that went forward. So the government shutdown was going to happen, except that McCarthy finally said, nope, if you guys don't want to play ball and put forward, forward a bill that has some Republican policy in here, then I'm going to have to go with some Democratic votes to make this happen and the vast majority of Republicans. What do you think about what's going on now between... Matt Gates and Kevin McCarthy, he's going to file a motion to vacate. Well, he's going to file a, a motion to vacate because that was part of the negotiation when they first started. Let's, let's, let's be very clear. There was no chance the government was going to shut down. Gates knew it. McCarthy knew it. It's all gamesmanship that's going on because what we're spending in this country is way too much money. It's, it's out of control, and something needs to be done about it. So this is part of getting that first part of the discussion going. We need to 
stop this budget, the trillions and trillions of dollars that we're overspending. Uh, this is a 45-day resolution, by the way. I mean, it has not gone away, and it will not go away because it's out-of-control spending. The problem is that Congress, their power comes from taking our money and giving it back to us and making us feel like we're grateful for it. So we, there needs to be something done. And you also have to know that there's posturing going on for other races. There's fundraising things that are involved in all of this. There was no way the government was going to shut down. Everyone knew the votes were there for McCarthy, including Matt Gates and Andy Biggs and others. So I don't worry about it too much. It's gamesmanship that's going on. And we need to have people like Matt Gates and Andy Biggs and Alex Mooney and some of the others in Congress to fight back and say, stop. Because we're gone overboard, and when you say we're Biden's favorite, you know, Matt Gates is Biden's favorite congressman, well, we all need to take a look at where Biden is and his leadership that has caused most of these problems. You, uh, but the fact of the matter is, the government would have shut down had Kevin McCarthy not been willing to go to the Democrats and risk his speakership in doing so. Okay. And and if he had if he hadn't been willing to do that if he was only going to stick with the Republicans and by doing that the Republicans who refute that that tiny number within the within the big majority within the, the big number they caused there to be those Republican priorities that were in that first bill the Republican bill those those got jettisoned out well if you in look order at to get the Democratic votes if you look at the individual bills that were passed. Republicans got the bills passed that needed to be passed. The military, the Ukraine money taken out, all of those kind of things. So they did have the pri- some priorities that were voted on. The other thing that's really important that people are missing out on is Matt Gates and, and the other hardcore conservatives that are there want individual spending bills. They don't want this huge bill with all the, you know, all the giveaways, all, all the pet projects for all these people to go out. So the key to this in, in cutting spending is having individual bills so that the Congress member of Congress can't come back and say, well, I had to vote for it because, you know, pensions were in there for our military people and all of that. Take the bills, break them down into individual bills. And that was part of the negotiation when, when McCarthy came in, that they were going to work on individual uh, funding bills for different areas. So, but didn't they block most of his individual funding bills? Uh, there was some of that that happened, uh, but they need to continue to fight. There needs to be a voice out there, and we need to continue to fight because what's wor- what's happening now and what's happened in the last 20 years is not working, and we need to have somebody that has a firewall. McCarthy knew all along he had the votes. So, you know, there's a lot of posturing going on within the party and outside the party. But he but didn't he have knows. the votes within the Republican caucus. It That's doesn't the, matter to him. The, the point is he had the votes. He'll have the votes to be speaker when, when things are, are done, said and done. So do you think that he did the right thing, in your opinion, regardless of whether he knew, he knew he had the votes or not, do you think he should have played ball with the Democrats or should he have let the government shut down? What he did is he kicked the can down the road, and we'll find out in 45 days whether but it worked or not. for now, with that 45-day continuing resolution, did he do the right thing in playing ball with the Democrats and therefore jettisoning the Republican-only bill, or should he have let the government shut down? Well, keep, keep in mind that the majority, the vast majority of the Republicans support Kevin McCarthy, and he, wouldn't have, he would have had no support at all if it wasn't for the Republicans. So, you know, we're talking about a small group of Democrats that came over to help him. But the reality is that he did the right thing, moving the, 
down the road and the Republicans who are fighting against all this spending and all the way things are done in D.C. are doing the right thing as well. So both sides are doing the right thing. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hey, good morning. Just just an observation here. Um, I'm grateful for the few conservatives left in Washington, these, these guys that are being portrayed as the radical right. It, it helps me get through the day knowing that I, as a Vermonter, am represented by the radical left in Washington. So uh, keep it up, guys. <laughs> well, well, thank you. It's kind of interesting you mentioned that. I uh, met with Nick Langworthy, who's a congressman, new congressman from Buffalo, and he came up to me at an event, and he said, you know, tell everybody in Vermont, if you need a congressman, I'm your guy. <laughs> so he's in upstate New York. He's a great guy. He used to be chair of the uh, New York Republican Party. So, uh, you know, if you, if you need representation in D.C., Nick said he's all in for he us. He said you could call? Yes. Yeah, that You know, um, somebody said that, too, about Elise the Stefanik. They said, so what do you do? Uh, they were joking with me, uh, and I said, well, if we... If we want to call a Republican, the closest one is Elise Stefanik. I don't know if she'll take our calls, but that's who we would call. (laughs) Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Yeah, good morning. Jay, thank you for uh, giving that previous caller a dose of reality. But here's here's the big white elephant in the room. Robert F. Kennedy has announced he's going to run as an independent. And it is known... I mean, he is going to draw off. I, you know what? Even if he only got 10% of the Democrat vote, Biden or any other Democrat is sunk against Trump. And now, and we, you had a guy show up at one of his events about two weeks ago, armed, pretending to be a U.S. Marshal. They, I mean... Obama is going to try to have this man assassinated if, if uh, Kennedy, that is, if his polls start getting up and Biden still refuses to provide protection, security for him. I mean, that, that's the big scandal that should be getting attention. Well, you're, you're, what do you think? You know, protection should be provided for presidential candidates. Uh, and RFK Jr. should have protection. I just want to remind our Republican friends out there, however, though, Robert Kennedy Jr. is not a conservative. He is not even close to being a conservative. He's with us on one, maybe one and a half issues out there in the vaccine thing. So one of the things I just saw a poll saying 48% of Republicans like him. Well, 48% of the Republicans need to do a little bit more homework on Robert Kennedy Jr. and make sure that they don't vote for him regardless of who our presidential nominee is because Robert Kennedy Jr. is as big a liberal as Joe Biden. We're just about out of time, Jay, but I have to ask you this. Do you concur with the caller saying that Barack Obama may have RFK it? Uh, I mean... Usually in agreement with the caller, I don't want to go that far, and I don't want to talk about assassination because this it's just a horrible thing, and it's not the way things should go in politics. And I don't even know if Obama crosses that line uh, because it works both ways. I, I mean, to have someone killed? Yeah, I, yeah, I can't go there. Yeah. He's no Hillary Clinton, for, for saying. <laughs> Sorry. I, I thought I'd go there just to be snarky. <laughs> Jay, thank you for coming in. It's always fun when you're here. And uh, we appreciate you coming in today. Uh, we're going to chat with um, Jerry Manor, Financial Literacies, coming